we're talking about. We're talking about mass shootings. And as I went into before the break, you know, I, I'm not silent on 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 ways to minimize these, to prevent them, and or to minimize the casualties if they occur. And I went through my first two steps, which are prevention in terms of risk identification. Find these people, identify these people. Because invariably, there are all these warning signs. So let's get them help. If they committed crimes, let's get them arrested. Yes, however you feel about red flag laws, those red flags, flag laws exist across the country. They exist here in Indiana. And you can separate someone who's dangerous from their gun. Now, there's a lot of danger. There are a lot of constitutional issues with red flag laws. You're depriving someone of constitutional rights who hasn't been committed of a crime or convicted of a crime, I should say. But those are on the books, and they're enforceable today. And in one of my cases, Indiana Court of Appeals held our statute to be constitutional, and we've since improved it dramatically since then, which I was involved in. So identification. Then let's harden the schools. Let's keep them out of schools. But the, the presentation that I attended last Sunday at the National Association of School Resource Officers, it was so incredibly powerful and informative, put on by a retired lieutenant colonel, now a cop, been a cop now for 14 years, who's been studying mass shootings for 15 years, um, really focused on the last step I always thought about, which is, okay, we haven't identified them as a risk. They got into the school. What now? And, 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 and he, to some degree, minimized certainly the hardening of schools. And he talked about how people said, well, lock the doors. The doors should be locked. People got you know upset. I was one of them. We talked about this, the shooting in Uvalde, where somebody left a, a door unlocked and the shooter came in the, the locked door. Or people say, well, they ought to lock the doors to the classrooms. Well, I, you know, he, he, in this presentation, showed us the shooter at the Covenant School in Nashville. Those doors were locked. She shot her way in. This was a transgender who was, uh, was a female. She just shot through the doors. In Sandy Hook, that shooter shot through the doors. In Parkland, Florida, and, 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 and there was an amazing uh, documentary right now. I just watched it. My wife put it on last night, I want to say on Amazon. But it was uh, a documentary on Parkland. A lot of interviews, kids that were in there, parents, police officers, teachers, and a lot of video. There was a lot of view of the shooter, and I actually saw a lot of it in the same presentation that I'm talking about. Those... Classrooms were locked, but they had windows in them. And the shooter, he killed most kids just shooting through the windows of the classrooms. Doors were locked, but the glass wasn't bulletproof. He just shot through the windows, killed a lot of kids, killed 17, wounded 17 more. So locking the doors to the school, locking the doors of classrooms only go so far we say, well, they all need school resource officers. He went through all the schools that had school resource officers and still had tremendous fatalities and other casualties of folks wounded. He, you know, Columbine, Parkland, and countless others. He would put up a slide. He'd show 15 school shootings where they had a school resource officer. 
And then you talk about what the school resource officers did in each one of those. Now in Parkland, a school resource officer, a school resource officer never entered the building. He went and hid behind his car. Never went in the building. In Columbine, school resource officer outside the building, exchanged gunfire outside the building with those two shooters. The two shooters went, then went in the school, started murdering people, and the school resource officer stayed outside to help police establish a perimeter. What the hell's a perimeter going to do? You worried about another mass shooter going in the school? No, you get your ass in the school and you stop the shooting. You stop the innocent loss of lives. You find the threat, you eliminate the threat. That's your job. That's what you've signed on to do as a school resource officer. And that's the protocol since Columbine. First officer, whether it's a school resource officer or responding officer, you go in the school, you find the threat, you eliminate the threat. You step over bleeding kids. As hard as that might be, because more kids are getting shot. More kids are dying. They showed a, a police officer in Parkland. He showed up. There was a wounded kid who was hopping down the stairs trying to get out. He then took that kid, took him over to the baseball diamond, and stayed with that kid. Well, that's great, and I'm sure that kid appreciated it. What about the kids who got shot in the school after that, when you were an armed police officer in the school? Now, am I doing armchair quarterbacking? Yes. Am I being unfair? Perhaps. But that the protocol is absolutely you don't administer first aid. As as difficult as that might be for us to get our heads around, you find the threat, you eliminate the threat. So a lot of schools had school resource officers. A lot of schools had locked doors. A lot of schools had locked classrooms. And they still suffered dozens and dozens of casualties. So what's the plan? What should we be focused on? I'll go into that here after this next break. So what I learned at this conference on school shootings, here's the takeaway from retired Lieutenant Colonel Ed Monk, and that is that a determined school shooter is going to get in the school. Unless doors and windows are bulletproof, he's going to either get into classrooms or be able to shoot into classrooms, like in Parkland where they shot through windows windows of the classrooms. So what then should our objective be? Because people talk, well, we need to prevent school shooting. What do you hear from politicians all the time? Well, if we just ban assault weapons, we'll prevent school shootings. Does that make any sense? Now, does anybody believe that? Or are they using the school shooting context as an excuse for their political platform. It's clearly the latter. And by the way, he went through 14 school shootings where so-called assault weapons were not used, where they had more casualties than Parkland. And again, it's the Parkland shooting with 34 casualties, 17 killed, that sparked a lot of the gun control discussion that we've seen in recent years. After the so-called March for Our Lives, remember that? The Parkland kids on the cover of Time magazine. And we're going to prevent school shootings. Well, the worst school shooting in U.S. history at Virginia Tech was done with two handguns. 32 people killed. 
Worst one ever. And again, he went. He, he showed us on a slide, 14 school shootings. There was no assault weapon. And, and, and the takeaway at the bottom of the slide was, it doesn't matter the gun involved. What matters is being able to end that mass shooting as quickly as possible. It's time. He said there are two things that should go into any plan to minimize casualties at a school, at a school shooting. If your goal is zero, it's unrealistic. I was a wake-up call. Again, I'm sitting in a big room. It was packed. It was standing room only. At the JW Marriott downtown, big conference room. If your goal is zero, that's not realistic. If you're planning for zero, it's not going to happen. You have a failed plan. What should your goal be? As a, someone gets into your school with a shooting, with with a gun, and they're shooting students or staff or both. The most realistic goal you can have is to have single-digit casualties. That is, single-digit people getting shot. And again, wake-up call. We're looking around going, oh, my God. Single digits, you're still talking about up to nine? That's still horrible. And here's, he said the controlling factors in how many people die in a school shooting. He said time and math. It's all about time and math. That's the only thing that matters, the only things that matter. Time and math. What does he mean by that? He's looked at every school shooting in the history of America, and he said, here's what we know. The number of people that die is directly dependent on the amount of time a shooter has in the school uninterrupted, unconfronted. And the only way you have a reasonable plan to minimize casualties, keep it under double digits, is to have someone who's armed and not only capable but willing Again, capable and willing, two important words. If you have an armed school resource officer who hides behind his car during the entire shooting, like happened in Parkland, not going to help much. You can have a, a, a school resource officer who never goes in the building at all. Like in Columbine, not going to help you a lot. So you need an armed individual who's capable and willing, and these are... His words, the presenter, retired Lieutenant Colonel Ed Monk, willing and able to deliver vicious, vicious, brutal, deadly force to that shooter within 30 seconds of the first shot. Within 30 seconds of the first shot. That's how you have a reasonable plan to keep casualties in a school shooting to under double digits. And a lot of people are looking at each other going, 30 seconds? How incredibly fast is that? And how do you accomplish that? How do you have a plan that has any hope of accomplishing that? You can have three school resource officers in a in a, in the building, and they could still be five, six, seven minutes from finding the shooter and delivering that deadly force. But if you just have a school resource officer somewhere on campus, and he had an answer for that, he says, yeah, someone not only armed, but willing and capable, has to be where they can see or hear the first shot from that shooter when it's delivered. To hear or see it themselves. They don't get a radio call. They don't get a phone call. They don't get a 911 call. They see or hear it themselves. 
And they then have to be in a place where they can deliver that vicious, brutal, deadly force within 30 seconds of that first shot. That's the only hope you have to keep casualties under double digits in a school shooting. And what's that based on? 15 years of studying every school shooting in America. He said it's about time and math. He goes, it's not about politics. It's not about gun control. It's not about hope. He goes, hey, you know, hope, you know, fight for whatever your political agenda might be. But that isn't going to sustain your students in a school shooting. It's not going to minimize casualties in a school shooting. Your plan has to be based on two things, time and math. And he went through it and he said, based on his study of every school shooting in America, he shows that if you allow a shooter one minute uninterrupted in a school, that's time. The math from looking at every one of these school shootings is that they will kill 12 people in one minute. And it goes up from there. It goes all the way up to where it could be hundreds if they have several minutes uninterrupted in a school. Someone has to kill them, confront them in a way that forces them to commit suicide or give up, and that has to happen within 30 seconds. Otherwise, you are doomed to failure with whatever your plan might be for responding to a school shooting. It was incredible to me. And this is data-driven. This is not political. This guy's a cop. So how do you have that pl- a plan that accomplishes that? And what about the plans that already exist? How f- faulty are they? We'll get into those things here after we come back from this break. This is Guy Relford on The Gun Guy Show on 93 WYBC. Hey, thanks for checking out the podcast. We appreciate it. But make sure you join us live at WIBC.com to stream or at 93.1 FM in Central Indiana for The Gun Guy Show every Saturday, 5 to 7. And welcome back. I'm Guy Relford on The Gun Guy Show on 93 WIBC. We're thrilled you're with us. We're talking about school shootings. You know, people talk about preventing them. Hey, look, that ought to be the goal every time, obviously. And if we can identify someone who's at risk, get them some help, get them committed. If they've committed crimes, get them arrested. Then then that's all great because the best shooting, mass shooting or otherwise, is one that never happens. But in terms of a school responding to mass shootings, Again, the takeaway from this seminar, and this was based on 15 years of study, and everything he said, he backed up with the statistics from the actual school shootings. Again, people say, oh, we can prevent school shootings if we just ban so-called assault weapons. Really? Well, here's 14 school shootings with more fatalities, more casualties than Parkland, where an AR-15 was never used, an assault weapon was never used. So, no. He says it's, it's time and math, the only two things that matter. The time that a shooter has in the school unopposed is what would determine the number of of casualties you have. And the only way to have any reasonable expectation you're going to keep casualties that is less than 10 people shot, casualties under double figures, is to have someone in place who can hear or see the first shots, who's willing and capable of delivering vicious, violent, deadly force against that shooter within 30 seconds. And in that in that context, 
I mean, the reason that Lieutenant Colonel Monk wanted to have lunch with me before his presentation, he wanted to hear a lot more about the Greenwood Park Mall and my client, Eli Dickin. And, and it came clear to me why he's so interested in that shooting. Again, he studies mass shootings, so I'm sure he's interested in all of them. But he said he was particularly interested in this one. And, and I quickly learned why when I, when I sat through his presentation. Because it was toward the end, and it was actually after he'd made this point about someone willing and capable of delivering deadly force within 30 seconds. Because he put up a slide, and it was so compelling. And again, I'm sitting there with a room full of cops, school resource officers. Other cops, there were local cops who just wanted to learn more about responding to a mass shooting. And he said, he said, listen, he said, let's say that we're not all armed to the teeth like we are. I mean, pretty much everybody is cops. We're all carrying guns in this conference room. Let's say we're sitting here unarmed and somebody walks through that door of this conference room right now and starts shooting us. Which would we rather have? And he puts up the first picture and it's a SWAT team. He said an entire SWAT team one hour away. By the time you call 911, they get a hold of the SWAT team, SWAT team assembles, they gear up, they get in the van, they make it to where you are, 30 to 60 minutes. When, keep in mind, somebody has just walked in here with a gun and is killing us. Nobody thinks that's too good of an option. He said, all right, what about a a well-armed, trained police officer who's 10 minutes away? How many people in this conference room could you kill? And there were, there was a good 150, 200 people in this conference room. How many people could you could you kill in 10 minutes? The, the typical response time for a police officer. And he said a lot of schools, their, their security plan for responding to a mass shooting is just that. It's call 911 and wait. Literally, that's their plan. We call 911 and wait. Well, we teach the kids run, hide, fight, but we really de-emphasize the fight part. So what's the, the run? Well, a lot of times... They, they don't even allow him to run. Again, as he was trained by the school when he was a high school teacher briefly after his military career, said, oh, no, you huddle the kids in the corner. Walking into classroom after classroom with a big group of kids huddled in the corner, how many people can you kill in 10 minutes? Literally 100. That's how the, the time and the math work out. And he showed the statistics. The Pulse nightclub in Orlando, 107 people shot. Because that gunman was unopposed for a really long time. 107 people. So, okay. So, rather than a, a an armed trained police officer 10 minutes away, how about a school resource officer two minutes away? Again, guys walked in the conference room with 150 people in it. He's shooting people. A school resource officer two minutes away. Well, that sounds a lot better, but how long would that two minutes be if you're sitting in that conference room? with people getting shot all around you. And then he picked a, he put up a picture of Eli Dickin. I was so proud of this, because he's been giving this presentation all over the country. He put a picture of Eli Dickin up. And Eli, it's it's like his, I think it's his graduation picture, where he's got, you've probably seen it, he's got a plaid shirt on, and he's kind of just leaning up against like a light pole or a wall or something, and he just looked really casual. He's got like khakis on, and a button-down shirt. And it said, or an armed citizen 15 seconds away. Again, 15 seconds, pretty still pretty damn long time, but 15 seconds. 
And that was on this slide. It made me really, really proud of Eli. It made me really proud to be Eli's lawyer. And it made very germane after this presentation that we're selling shirts to raise money for Eli and for the 2A Project, gun rights organization, to save 15 seconds with a stopwatch on them. It's be like Eli. I showed Mr. Monk, Officer Monk, Lieutenant Colonel Monk, those, those shirts. I showed him a picture of him, and he said, man, he goes, with a stopwatch? He goes, that's what it's all about, man. Time and math. This was over lunch before I had heard his presentation. I didn't really know what he meant, but it sure, it sure brought that home. And 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 I'm sorry. What other conclusion could you come to? So, in a school shooting, your kids in a classroom, and and the the teacher has them huddled in a corner, or allows them to to do whatever in that classroom in terms of spread out, hide under desk, whatever their options are. What do you want among those options? Do you want that SWAT team 30 to 60 minutes away? Do you want a police officer 10 minutes away? Do you want a school resource officer two minutes away from the time that guy walks in the classroom and starts pulling the trigger? Or would you want that teacher to be able to pull a gun and deliver vicious, brutal, deadly force in the first 30 seconds or less, 15 seconds in Eli's case in the Greenwood Park Mall? It's an easy answer. It's an easy answer. And by the way, to hear a cop advocating for arming teachers and staff was pretty shocking to me. Because what do you hear from a lot of cops? I won't say most cops or all cops, but a lot of cops you'll hear, well, no, only a trained police officer ought to have a gun in the school. But that's why that slide was so compelling. When he said, which would you rather have? You're getting shot or your kids in a classroom getting shot. SWAT team 30 to 60 minutes away, police officer 10, resource officer two minutes away or an armed, willing private citizen 15 seconds away. That's easy. That's easy. And this was fascinating to me. And man, you talk about an uncomfortable room. How'd you think that the 150 or so cops in that room felt about this? Hold on. I came here to talk, to tell this, to hear from this guy that we need to arm teachers and staff. And he even told me, I didn't, I had no idea what he was going to say over lunch though. We were getting ready to go. And uh, and he was to, he was going to go give his presentation. He goes, I'm going to make some people uncomfortable today. And I had no idea what he was talking about. Well, I learned it pretty quick. And it was it was very true. But it, but the, but the the logic is so compelling. It's inescapable. And that one slide said it all. Which would you rather have? So important. And when I told this expert on school shootings about. House Bill 1177 that is now the law of Indiana after July 1st that Jim Lucas wrote and the legislature passed this year to provide training for teachers and funding for that training by school corporations. That is, the state will pay for school corporations to train teachers in a standardized curriculum that's better in terms of responding to a mass shooting in a school, better than the firearms training that police officers receive in the academy. Same number of hours, 40 hours. But it's more specifically focused on mass shooting, including field first aid, weapon retention, a lot of things very specific to, to, to responding really, really quickly to a school shooting, which is exactly what we're talking about. We